The Bible reading for today is taken from the Gospel account of Luke in chapter 24, beginning at verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good afternoon to you on this day. And I just wanted to add my wishes and blessings to all of the mothers that are here today as well. And I appreciated Ben's sensitivity. I think in his prayers, he mentioned how sometimes it can be a difficult Sunday. As our family, for Carmi, this is the first Mother's Day that um, she's no longer with us. 
But as we saw in the family dedication, the joy and the gift of being part of the church community is that we're a larger family, right? Even those who cannot be, perhaps, mother in a different, um, for different reasons. Before I begin, I just wanted to uh, inform you, the church family, some of you might have read it in our first worship news this morning, and maybe some of you haven't, but I felt it was important for us to acknowledge that. Uh, regretfully, Anthony is experiencing um, recurrence of symptoms that he has had last um, spring. And so for the near future, Anthony will be away from work. So I think you will understand that he'll need his rest and that um, it's probably best not to contact him regarding any church ministry and allow him time to rest and to recuperate. So please lift up Anthony in prayer for his healing and for Helen and Joshua as they support Anthony during this time. Let's pause and pray. Father, we come before you and we lift up Anthony to you and we pray for his health and that, Lord, you would relieve him of the symptoms that he is experiencing, that you will bring him to a place of health. Lord, would you grant him a special sense of your presence, particularly on this day, and may he know and experience a deep sense of peace that comes from you. May your love be ever so real to him. And we also pray for Helen and Joshua as they support Anthony as a family. Protect them. Watch over them, we ask. In Christ's name, amen. Well, we are in that special time of this calendar year, the period between Christ's resurrection and the next important feast, the Pentecost. And so this is what we call the Easter season. And then after Easter Sunday, I recall you writing a piece on the first news, just explaining and reminding us that this is indeed a very, very important season for us. And there are a number of heartwarming stories in the Gospels that record for us these post-resurrection encounters of Jesus. So today I wanted to invite you to one of the most, I think, well-known, well-loved story of the road to Emmaus, the passage that you just heard read uh, a minute ago. Now, this is one of the few um, post-resurrection stories recorded in the gospel, and it's a very unique one found only in the gospel of Luke, which incidentally is the author of the book that we've been studying, the book of Acts. This story has inspired a tremendous amount of reflection and art as well. I have seen a number of paintings and creative portraits of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. One of these um, things about the stories is I think because it is so, so heartwarming, so simple, that you and I can imagine ourselves part of the story. And so this morning I'm gonna, or this afternoon I'm gonna highlight some of the nuances and then I wanna offer you some reflections based on this uh, story. First, the story takes place later on the same day of the resurrection. That's how verse 13 begins. Now on the same day. So Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 12, is the description of the woman running to the tomb and finding it empty. And then verse 13 begins with, now on the same day. 
the two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, which scripture tells us it's about seven miles away or roughly 11 kilometers from Jerusalem. So imagine that to be Easter Sunday afternoon or early evening. Now what might be important to note is that these two disciples are on the road to Emmaus and this happened rather quickly or soon thereafter the resurrection. It is on the same day. And by the context of the conversation later in the passage, it seemed like they knew a lot of what happened already. They already heard that some of the women went to the tomb and found it empty. Which leads me to think that these two disciples were part of perhaps the closer group of the disciples that were associated with the remaining 11. It's also important to note that they were leaving Jerusalem. They were trying to get away from it all. They say later in the passage, for we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel, the Messiah. There are two, two disciples, two followers. One is named Cleopas, and the other one is unnamed. And they were walking on this road to a place called Emmaus. And in some sort of a masterful literary style, Luke intentionally left the second disciple unnamed. I remember long ago, in my early days, I used to play the trombone. It's true. And some of the lessons included what we call this tract. It's called Music Minus One. It's a long time ago. And it probably appeared in a cassette. That's how long it goes. In which the full score of the music was there, except the part that you played. In my case, it would be the bass line or the trombone. And the idea is that you would play this music and you would be able to play along. Well, the unnamed disciple in this story is a literary music minus one. It's a placeholder for you and for me to enter into the story and to see our own journey of faith towards our own road to Emmaus. Now, some commentators have put forth suggestions as to who this unnamed disciple is, but none is conclusive. No one would, I think, would dare to say for sure it is so-and-so. Historians also cannot locate exactly where Emmaus is. There is no modern-day Emmaus. All we know, it's about 11 kilometers away. A nice leisure, maybe a couple of hours walk on an old Mediterranean, Middle Eastern type of a road. What is clear is that these two disciples were feeling the confusion and the disappointment and the disorientation of what just happened. So Emmaus is the place where these two disciples go in their time of confusion or disorientation. It represents a place where you get away from all of that, from the stresses and the storms of life, maybe a place of safety, a place of familiarity, a place that reminds you of maybe home. Let me just pause here for a moment, and I wonder if you have found yourself wanting to ever get away from it all. 
to leave things behind and head towards your own Emmaus, a maybe familiar place away from the things that are disorienting and confusing to you. If you have never been on the road to Emmaus, chances are that you will one day. We will all, one time or another, face unmet expectations, disappointments, and all of us will go on our road and journey towards Emmaus. The key, I think, what makes this story endearing is that some spiritual friends along the way helps as you figure things out. Some companions along the road to Emmaus. Good companions can make a difficult journey bearable. So on this journey to Emmaus, the two uh, spiritual friends were discussing, wrestling with what has happened and what it all means. And they were trying to piece together all the things of the past week, trying to make sense of this tragedy yet mystery, the death of Jesus, the empty tomb, what is going on? What is clear is that these two disciples had a pretty good knowledge of their scriptures, which is the Old Testament. And they were deeply aware of some of the writings of the prophets, but yet they still couldn't make sense of what was going on. They had pieces of the puzzle, but they couldn't put it all together. And then suddenly, a third person, a stranger, joined them along the way. Verse 15 said, says, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up, walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. And the most striking thing about the appearances of the post-resurrected Jesus was that he was difficult to recognize. Mary thought he was just a gardener. Peter thought he was a man on the shore. Cleopas thought that he was just the stranger who happened to be going along in the same direction as them. And to this day, the risen Christ appears to us often in surprising ways, in ways that you don't recognize at first, sometimes even through a stranger. When we need help to recognize Jesus, we need spiritual friends, we need journey companions. Jesus playfully, instead of telling him all of the answers, he wanted to see if they could connect the dots. And he asked them, what are you discussing? And then the two recounted all of the things that has happened. And then he, at the end, they said, but we had hoped that this Messiah would restore Israel. In verse 25, then Jesus finally explained to them that the Messiah was to suffer and then be glorified. Jesus connected the dots for them, speaking to them about their scriptures. And even at this moment, they still didn't quite recognize Jesus. But in an act of invitation, the two disciples invited this stranger to stay with them and to share a meal. Luke tells us that it was at this point that Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and he broke it and began to give it to the disciples. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. 
and just as quickly as he appeared, or as, as they recognized him, he disappeared from their sight. And as they reflected on the journey towards Emmaus, they said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked and while he opened the scripture to us? And in a mysterious way, at that moment that the bread was broken as they shared the meal, it all came together for them. Knowledge and understanding of scripture wasn't quite enough but the experience of breaking bread together was when their eyes were opened. Now this encounter transformed Cleopas and this unnamed disciple. For the next day, they got up and they abandoned their plans to either stay in Emmaus or travel further, and yet they boldly returned to Jerusalem the place where they first wanted to leave. And they found the 11, and they shared with them the good news. And in verse 34, it is true. The Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke bread. And if we continue further with the Gospel of Luke, as the two were telling us the story to the 11 and others, Jesus once again appeared to them. And then the whole group of disciples recognized the presence of Jesus. A wonderful, endearing, simple story that I think most of you would be familiar with. I wanted to highlight a few things that I think Christians throughout the ages have taken away from this story and maybe some of the surprising ways that we can encounter the risen Christ. The very first thing is that Jesus appears to us in community, as we journey with others, as we open up holy scriptures, and as we share our lives. Jesus appears to us through spiritual friendships, and in particular, when we read, open, discuss, wrestle with scripture, and perhaps as we pray as well. It is his promise that where two or three are gathered in his name, there I will be also. Here I want to really highlight this important aspect of our faith journey. That there is a way that Jesus appears to us that is different and fuller and richer in community and in relationship with one another than when we're alone. It is to say that for sure, in the quietness of my own room, if I opened up scripture, God can speak to me. But there is a deeper, a different, fuller, richer way in which we can experience Christ when we enter into relationships with other followers of Christ in spiritual friendships. Other people who are also searching, asking, and listening. Well, for one thing, when we are learning scripture together, it certainly moderates and corrects our individualistic and sometimes erroneous and wrong interpretations of scripture. 
that while God may speak to you alone, and he does, under normal circumstances, I believe that he would, it would be confirmed in community. It moderates and kind of balances out any Lone Ranger interpretation of scripture. That's the corrective part of reflecting on scripture together. But the fuller part of studying scripture in community or with others is that when two or more are gathered to study and discuss, your insights and your understanding almost always get bigger. They're enlarged. It's expanded through the interpretation and the experience of the other person. Time and time again, I find this to be true. And I think back to conversations in my connection group studies or other places when we're opening up the Word of God. And indeed, I have found that in those moments, my heart was strangely warmed. Somehow, insights or information or knowledge about the Scripture enter into a deeper part of who I am, into my heart. And we're moved, we're changed, we're encouraged, and we feel that special closeness with God. So this coming Wednesday, if I can do another plug for Ben's event, he's going to be hosting a night in which we do exactly this. We're going to read scripture, and we're going to pause. And we're going to ask and invite people, what stands out to you? How did this speak to you? And as you share of your story and your way of understanding scripture, we can be an encouragement to others. I wonder if these two years alone, as we have gone through COVID, has really highlighted or you know, made that kind of obvious. You know, there were times in which we were severely restricted in terms of how much interaction we can have with one another, but now things are beginning to open up. That while it is possible to, I suppose, grow in your discipleship of Jesus by yourself, it is many-fold better and richer and fuller with spiritual companions. So I wanted to encourage you that perhaps as we come out of the pandemic, uh, times to kind of, there are many more op opportunities for us now to re-engage with one another through personal interaction. And we do understand that there are some with children and special circumstances that need to take extra precautions as the virus is still around. But if you're able to, and if there are no health reasons preventing you to participate with us, Come and join us in person for worship. Join a connection group. Join some of the events that we're putting on in person. And see if that encourages you in your relationship with God. Now the second but deeply connected to the first is that the disciples recognized Jesus when they broke bread together. Now, the first way to understand the breaking of bread is another way of saying that um, we're sharing a meal. 
That's the first way that we can understand breaking bread. And the second way that we use the term often of breaking the bread is, of course, the participation of the Lord's Supper together in our corporate times of worship. Now, what the story in Luke points out, and what I find most interesting, is that it was only after Jesus sat down with the two of them and they shared a meal, when Jesus broke bread with them, it was only then that they recognized the risen Jesus. There are a few things that I find as moving, as heartwarming, as on Communion Sunday, when I have the opportunity to be right here in the front and to serve you as you come up for the bread and the cup. And I can recite the words that this is the body of Christ broken for you, and this is Christ's blood shed for you. And I'm able to call you by name and invite you to the table. It really is a very special, precious moment. And on the receiving end as well, as some of you and some of us, as we come up to receive the elements, that moment of personal exchange where we serve one another, the body and the blood of Christ. To me, time and time again, it is a moment where my heart is strangely warmed. But if we take a step back and to look at this two ideas in this story of the opening of scripture and the breaking of bread, some of you will know, and if you think about this, this is the foundation and the anchor of course, of our worship rhythm in liturgy, the opening of God's word and the breaking of bread. I have found that on Sundays when we participate in communion, that the slow and spacious time that is built into the process and the way that we do things, it really is an opportunity for us to reflect and think about the word of God that was just opened for us. And in some way, as we participate in the Lord's Supper, it is our way of responding to the word of God opened to us, a time for us to once again commit to him and to offer ourselves once again to him. Eugene Peterson, in um, his three-volume of spiritual theology, the second book he entitles, Eat This Book. It's a strange title, Eat This Book. And it's taken from two incidents in Scripture, one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament, from Ezekiel and from Revelation, in which Ezekiel the prophet was given the order or the command to eat the scroll. And then in Revelation, the prophet John was given that instruction as well. And out of that, he came up with the title, Eat This Book. What Eugene Peterson is saying to us, and the corrective that Peterson wanted to offer us, is simply this, that don't treat the Bible as a source of just information or ideas or good theology. But rather, we read scripture in a way, he uses the eating metaphor, to digest it and to allow it to become the food for our spiritual lives and for our, every part of our body. 
to read scripture slowly, to meditate on it, to digest it, to let it travel from your head to your heart and allow it to stir your holy affections. And the breaking of bread is that response time to the word of God open to us. That after we hear it preached, we receive the word of God in the bread and in the cup. Lastly, I am so drawn to the description of the two disciples in verse 32, where they thought back to the journey and they said to one another, weren't our hearts burning within us? It was a kind of moment where their minds, their hearts, and their soul was all touched and fused by the risen Christ. It was more than just insight on Scripture. It stirred their whole being. The heart is a biblical word which signifies and represents all of our being, the whole being. One wise person said that the most difficult distance to cover is the 12 inches between your head and your heart. Many of us know a whole lot. We are blessed. We, are, we have access to the internet. We have so many resources. We have a couple or a few local seminaries. We have classes. We have materials that we can tap into. We have professors and theologians among us that can help us to understand scripture and theology. But the biggest challenge is for that knowledge to go deep into our hearts and allowing it to transform us into Christ-likeness. So much that these two disciples, instead of staying in Emmaus, they returned to Jerusalem to share what they experienced with the remaining disciples. A beautiful post-resurrection story encounter with the disciples and the risen Christ. So may you meet the risen Christ as you enter into community relationships and spiritual friendships. May you meet the risen Christ in the sharing of a meal, the breaking of bread, and the act of worship. And may the meeting of the risen Lord touch you in the deepest part of your whole being, your heart, that you would be transformed with the joy, the hope, and the new life that the resurrection of Jesus offers. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for meeting us in creative and strange and mysterious, sometimes surprising ways. We ask that as we are faithful, as we enter into relationships with other disciples and followers, and as we open the word of God, as we break bread, share a meal, and worship you, that you would indeed meet us and transform us from the inside out. We ask this humbly in the name of Christ. Amen. You've been listening to the First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. For more sermons and information about our church's services and programs, please visit firstbc.org.